This is more than just a set of revival services. I believe this is the beginning of a destiny that God has, not only for this church, but this region. <laughs> well, glory. Amen. I welcome all of you here tonight in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. And if you're, it's your first time in a Pentecostal apostolic setting, everything you've seen happen is biblical and in order with according to the word of the Lord. And what you're about to see in the preached word of God and the prophetic utterance of the word of God is also biblical. I want you to remain standing and let's give the Lord praise as our evangelist and prophet of God, Ryan, near comes and delivers the word of the Lord. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I mean, it's Friday night, so we might as well party. Well, well it's good to be back at the Church of Omaha to see so many friends, familiar faces, and new faces. Um, and I just, I'm, I, I, I can't tell you, just me and my wife, uh, this church has been so kind to us over the years, as many of you know. But as we are coming back, it's just like God was bringing back to remembrance all the things that God had done over the years being a part because literally this church has helped shape the ministry that we are a part of now. And I just thank you for the invitation back. The room was great. The basket, the kids were excited. And uh, I'm glad that I get to have my wife and my five kids. I'm just kidding. I'm just shocking some of y'all. We only got three kids. We only got one new one. Amen. But uh, we've been trying to live out that scripture to be fruitful and multiply. And some of you got that scripture down. Not naming names. Um, but it's good to be back with Bishop Powell. Amen. In the Church of Omaha. How many love you, Pastor? Amen. Amen. Um, well, I'm sorry that you came here tonight because most of the time you come for a revival, I'm supposed to, or I come for a revival, I'm supposed to preach to you. But tonight I'm going to preach to myself and you get to listen to me talk to myself. All right, so you can just sit there, you just watch me talk to myself as I preach. But I felt like tonight God said, I want somebody to rediscover the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. So good to be back. If you have your Bibles, would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark? Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And I did not get to introduce, while you're turning there, I'll introduce Nina, our newest. She has not been in a lot of revivals. Our other kids were born into revival. She's not been to a lot of revival, so she gets a little wound up. I'm glad she's in Church of Omaha because there's a bunch of babies here. 
Amen. There you are. How are you? Good to see Sister Powell. Amen. I'm a mama's boy, so I always come and I'll preach, you know, and connect with the pastor and suck up to the pastor's wife. Amen. Now, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. The Bible says, And they, Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho. And as they went out of Jericho, he and with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. A prophetic pause. And commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now I'll stop right there. And an all-knowing God says, What wilt thou that I should do for you? And I'm like, Duh. He's blind. And the blind man said unto him, Lord, <laughs> that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. This evening in the first service of this set of services I want to preach to you about seeing what the blind man saw and I believe that this will be of the most importance to us moving forward and helping us to rediscover the goodness of God we've got to stop right where we are and we have to acknowledge some things before we can see what God wants us to see. Would you do it? Would you just lift your hands? Would you pray with me and ask God that He would anoint the Word or anoint my tongue to speak the Word as well as our ears to hear it? Would you do it? Father, right now, Lord, we're thankful for Your Word. We are thankful for those that have gathered to hear it, O oh God, but we are asking that there would be a spirit of revelation and understanding that our eyes would be open, our ears would be ready to hear, to receive, our hearts to respond, O oh God. And I bind every hindering spirit, whether human or or demonic every spirit of religious tradition or witchcraft I bind it in the name of Jesus and I pray let there be ministering spirits in here unto the heirs of salvation and we pray it all in Jesus name in Jesus name and everybody said in Jesus name amen you may be seated if you so desire amen The Bible makes it very clear that without a vision, the people perish. And there's nobody that understands the value of vision more than a blind person. 
And as we are reading the text, we realize Jesus is walking away from a very frustrating conversation with his disciples. Frustrated, he's now on his way to Jerusalem where he will become the Passover lamb. He will be crucified and he will have to keep a very tight schedule so that his crucifixion will line up with all of the verses of Scripture about his death and his resurrection. But hear me, while he's leaving a very frustrating conversation with his disciples, he introduces us now to a man that we now know as blind Bartimaeus, but we know him even now as blind Bartimaeus, but how many know that blind Bartimaeus isn't blind anymore, but we still identify him by his disability? But here's the thing. Blind Bartimaeus, we find him in the context of a highway side begging outside of Jericho. Now this is significant where we find and are introduced to blind Bartimaeus. He's outside of Jericho. Jericho literally means the place of fragrance. And this is significant because fragrance is the most closely associated sense. Smell is the most closely associated sense with memory. See, when you smell a fragrance, if you it crosses over the olfactory bulbs and it, it triggers your amygdala and your hippocampus, which is the major part of your limbic system in your brain. And your limbic system is in charge of not only your memory, but emotions that are tied to said memory. So this is where we find blind Bartimaeus. He is sitting outside the place of fragrance. And fragrance being associated with smell. Smell with the sense, uh, that sense that's so closely associated with memory. So that when you smell that fragrance, it triggered your brain that causes the emo- not only the memory to come up, but the emotions. So literally when you smell something, it recreates a reality that you had once been a part of. So here's where we, the first understanding I want you to realize is that if you don't have a vision, you will be forced to live by memory. I'll say it with the left hand. Let's try it again. That if you do not have a vision to help you to move forward, you are bound to your memories of what has been and what you've once experienced. And that's why that we need vision to move forward. That's why we need leadership that says, here's where we're going and this is what I see for the future. Because if you don't have something to look forward to, by default, you'll settle for what has always been in your world so when you come into the house of God you got to believe that God has something for you you have something to look forward to that there is hope there is a reality of a better day of a better marriage of a better family that's why I've come to preach tonight that you've got to have vision because God oh God it's, it's happening already it's happening already I'm getting stirred up But that's what I want you to understand. That if you don't have a vision, you are forced like blind Bartimaeus 
lived by Jericho. Because if you don't have a vision, you are forced to live by memory. That's why we've got to be able to see tonight. To see, we sang about it, to see His glory. But here's the thing about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus treats him as if he's going on his way to Jerusalem and he has got a schedule to keep. And all of a sudden, here's blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And all the disciples, they're like, quiet. And they didn't do it. Most of the time we preached to them like they were saying it in a negative context. They, they knew that Jesus had a schedule to keep. And they said, if we're going to make it to Jerusalem by Good Friday, and if we're going to make it to Jerusalem by Passover so, so that his death can align with all the prophetic and all the promises of Scripture for him to fit within the prophetic timeline of everything that was prophesied about him, he's got a schedule to keep so we don't have any more time to stop for certain miracles and other thing. We don't have time for that. He's got to get to Jerusalem so he can be crucified and make the timeline of prophetic. But when they said quiet down, the spirit of Nina got on blind Bartimaeus. Now when I say that, it's like in those times when I, dad, like you tell my kids, quiet down. <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus cried all the more. Right? And that's where blind Bartimaeus, they were like, quiet down, quiet down. He said, no, Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now daddy's got a phone call. You got to be quiet. And that is the moment. They have to go to the bathroom. They need a drink of water. They cried all the more. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus, when he hears what that blind man says, the Bible said that Jesus stood still. There was a prophetic pause. Even though Jesus had a schedule to keep because he was going to fulfill every promise and he was going to fulfill every prophecy, he had to stand still because Jesus recognized that moment as a teachable one. And he understood that his disciples needed to learn something they had not yet learned. So before he could go into prophetic fulfillment, he had to have a prophetic pause and say, wait a minute. And that's what I believe 2020 was. 2020 was a prophetic pause for the church yes Jesus has a schedule to keep and promises to fulfill and prophetic things to be done but he was stopping the church long enough and we've got to recognize that 2020 was made for a teachable moment so that we could see something that we were not yet seeing so we can learn something that we as his church had not yet learned so when he heard what the blind man said, he stood still and said, call him. He said, you guys, go get him. And he says, all right, arise. He, you know, be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. And he calls him over. And he throws away his beggar's garment and gets right, right to Jesus. And Jesus says, well, what do you want me to do? Now, this is the all-knowing God of creation. He knows everything. 
But he wasn't asking the blind man the question so he could obtain information he didn't already have. But he was asking the question so that the disciples could learn a lesson. Watch. I'd be like, like I already said, duh. Isn't it obvious what this man needs? He's blind. But could it be that Jesus was asking him what he wanted? He was not recognizing his blindness because he recognized that that blind man was seeing something even though he didn't have eyes. Uh, Could it be that he was just saying, no, 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 no. What would you have for me to do? Because he was not recognizing that this man could not see because he could tell that he could see by what he said. Because here's the thing. Let me show you a little scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the... Not eyes. See, the devil don't care. He'll let you have your eyes as long as he can blind your mind. See, that's how deception works. You see things with your eyes, but your mind's blind. So you can see facts, but come to false conclusions. See, that's how deception works. The devil don't care if you have eyes and you can see. Yes, what they did, you saw how you saw what they did to you and it hurt. But you, with a blinded mind, you can come to false conclusions. So the devil don't care. He said, "You, you keep your here, keep your eyes. Just let me blind your mind." To, 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 from what? Blind the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should be seen. Of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, so let me say it like this. If you, you can have your eyes, but let me blind your minds. So just because you have eyes doesn't mean that you can see. But on the flip side, just because you have eyes doesn't mean you can see. But if you do that on the flip side, just because you don't have eyes, that don't mean you... uh, See, because this blind man, he, you could tell that he could see by what he said. Even though he didn't have eyes, his mind was open to see things that his disciples had not yet seen. So he stood still, even though he had some things that he was going to fulfill and some things he, he had to take that moment. Because before I can take you there, I've got to teach you something here. Before you can have that, I've got to get you to understand this. He was trying to get them to see what that blind man had saw even though he didn't have eyes. And I can tell by what you say, what you see. Because here's the thing. Uh, No, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. So Ryan, God had to put your whole life on hold for that prophetic and he stood still because Ryan there was some things you weren't seeing that others have already seen hear me you may have eyes but that don't mean you can see Ryan you may see that yes there's corona and there's social and you may see all this stuff but is your mind open to seeing what that blind man saw now you gotta, you gotta understand you can tell what he saw 
by what he said. And Jesus stood still and said, call him. He heard that man say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He said, wait a minute. Did you hear what that man just said? He may not have eyes, but he can see something. I want you to go call him. And they brought him over and he said, what will thou, that, you should, that I should do for you? But what was it that he said? First off, when he said, listen to me, when he said, Jesus, thou son of David, in the minds of every Jewish person that was there, he just referenced Jesus as the Messiah. Because to say the son of David is to say, I know who you are. I can see past your humanity and I understand that there's divinity. Because when he said, thou son of David, that was the terminology that the Jewish nation would recognize. The Father has now come in flesh to save us from our sins. This is him, the God of creation. This is the Jehovah of old. He was saying, thou son of David, I I see past the humanity and I can see your divinity. You want to know what that blind man saw? He saw Messiah. He saw the Savior. I'll tell you what he saw. You ready? You ready? He saw this. Hebrews 1 and 3. Follow with me, guys. I'm about to go pretty quick. He saw this about Jesus. Hebrews 1 and 3 says about Jesus, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of his singular person that's who Jesus was he was the express image of God's singular person what that did not say was that Jesus was a third part of a fictitious trinity it was Jesus it didn't say that Jesus was hear me somebody he did not say that Jesus was a third of God's persons but he was the singular express image of the glory of God that's who that blind man saw Now, that's not all that he saw. He saw Colossians 1, 14 and 15. He saw this. In whom we have the redemption through his blood. Who shed his blood? Jesus. Even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the image of the invisible God? See, the blind man saw that image of the invisible God. He may not have had eyes, but his mind was open to the reality that the Father had now come in flesh. Now watch. Now a little Bible study. I know you guys like good biblical teaching. And you got a great pastor for that. And great staff. Goodness. Come on. Yeah. I don't see it. That's why I'm preaching it. Okay. No. Quiet down. She cried all the more. I told you. I told you. Right? But watch this now. Let me show you something else. Let me show you something else. 1 Timothy 3.16. The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. Oh, my goodness. You got it in the amplified right there. And great, important, and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth that the mystic secret of godliness, that He, God. Watch. Watch what it says. He, God was made visible in human flesh. Wow. It don't get much more plain than that. 
That's what the blind man saw. See, Jesus wasn't a third of God's holy three persons. He was the singular express image. He, when it talks about, listen, when it talks about the Son, it is in reference to the flesh that the Father fully vested Himself in. It was the Father fully vesting Himself in flesh. And when the Bible refers to the Son, it's referring to the redemptive role that He played when He incarnated Himself. But because, let me show you this. This is what the blind man saw. Jesus, thou Son of David. He saw John 1 and 1 in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word... And you know what verse 14 says. It says, And the Word was made and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the key. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. He's the only flesh that He fully vested Himself in without measure. But in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, but that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But let's look at it in the Amplified, shall we? Watch this. And the Word, verse 14. Verse 14, And the Word Christ became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled, and fixed His tent of flesh and lived a while. Did you see what that just said? Go back up just a little bit. We'll get to the rest of it. And the word Christ became flesh, human incarnate, and tabernacled, and fixed his tent of flesh and lived a while. He tabernacled. Do you know what the tabernacle was in the Old Testament? The tabernacle in the Old Testament was the the meeting place that God would choose to meet in the plan that he had for men to approach him. But what they would do was they would dig out 75 silver sockets, put it in the ground, and they would set up a tent. They'd put up the pillars, and then they would stretch badger skin. You think ministry's tough now. Imagine having to go catch badgers. With your hands or a stone or something, I don't Goodness, they had to catch a bunch of badgers. But what they do, they take the badger skin, stretch them out, and they cover the pillars. And then the glory of God would come down and dwell in that tent of skin. So the tabernacle of the Old Testament was the glory of God wrapped in skin. And the Bible says, watch, the Bible said that the Word that was in the beginning that was God, He came down and tabernacled Himself, talking about Jesus being the only begotten of the Father. Here's what He said. He tabernacled. In other words, Jesus was the glory of God wrapped in skin. That's who Jesus really is. And that's what the blind man saw. He may not have had eyes, but he could see who Jesus really was. See, think about it. I'm gonna, I may have said this before. I don't know what I've said here. If I tell it again, if I say it again, just humor me. Because if it, if it ain't good enough to say a second time, it probably wasn't good enough to say the first time. Right? 
But now, notice, I didn't give you this verse of Scripture. I'm going to talk about it for a little while. I'll give you a little time. John 10 and 30. Jesus, I'm going to bust some bubbles right now. I may have said this before. Did you know that Jesus was not a Christian? church are we going to no he wasn't a Christian he was the Christ but in his life he was a practicing Jew he would go to synagogue every Sabbath and he was a practicing Jew he fulfilled all the points of the law right but here's the thing when he was around a bunch of monotheistic Jews Mono meaning one, theism, the belief in God. A bunch of Jews that believed in just one God. He was there, but listen, Jesus, just as much as they believed in one God, just as much as they were monotheistic, Jesus was monotheistic as well. They believed in one God, but he believed in one God just as well. But the difference was he was that one God. So when he referenced this verse, I and my Father are one. In the context, he's talking to the Jewish monotheistic believers. Right? And he said, I and my Father. But when Jesus said, I and my Father are one, Jesus was referencing Jehovah. He was referencing the God of creation, and they knew it. He said, I... Now, I'm going to go down a bunch of scriptures too, so if you can have the next couple verses ready... Like one, two, and I think three, maybe four or five. I don't know. If you can pull them all up, it would be great. 31, and I and my father are one. But the Jewish believers, then Jew, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Kind of like a bunch of you about did just a second ago when I said Jesus wasn't a Christian. Or he's not American either. That gets people mad all the time. He's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He, uh, gets. Everybody's kind of reaching in. Babe, get your purse out. Get the stones. Right? But then, watch now. Bishop, he's, he'll clean all this up. I know he will. But Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? And here's what they said. Then Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. But they had it backwards. He wasn't a man that had made himself God. He was God that had already made himself man. So you go ahead and throw the stones, but baby, I may not have eyes, but I can see. Oh, somebody, do you see what that blind man saw? Woo. Man, I'm getting excited. Listen, my wife hadn't been with me on a revival for over a year. Because since we moved to Kansas City, and we have moved to Kansas City, I can fly anywhere. Don't have to drive nowhere. So she's here, get to hear. You make her feel like I'm the best preacher in the world, okay? 
Amen. Right? Get your hankies out. Put your stones away and get your hankies out. I'm just kidding. I love y'all. All right. But here's the thing. That's what the blind man saw, even though he didn't have eyes. Even though, because his disciples, listen, he was saying, stop here. But I don't believe that was the reason why he stood still. Because not only did he see him as the son of David, but he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when that, when Jesus heard that blind man say, have mercy, he understood that boy may not have eyes, but he can see how I operate and how I function and how the miraculous works. He understands the miraculous. The key to the miraculous is mercy. But what is mercy? You cannot understand mercy without understanding its counterpart of grace. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. He died on Good Friday. It wasn't good for him. It was good for us. Thank God he did it. But he was giving us something that we did not deserve. That was the grace of God. But the mercy of God, if the grace of God is Him giving you something you don't deserve, the mercy of God is Him withholding what you do deserve. And when this blind man said, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. He was saying, Jesus, if you do a miracle for me, I recognize that there is nothing that I did to earn it. There is no reason why I deserve it. He was appealing to the nature of God's goodness. That he was saying, listen, uh, not because I'm good, Jesus, but because you are good. Have mercy on me. He said, I deserve to live a life in the dark. But if you would be so good as to do a miracle for me, have mercy on me. So when he said have mercy on me, he was saying, Jesus, listen. Because mercy is God withholding judgment, withholding punishment. And because of sin, listen folks, because of sin, it opened the door for death, disease, And he was recognizing that he didn't do anything to deserve a miracle. He couldn't earn it. He was solely appealing to the nature of God's goodness and God's character. You understand what I'm saying? So have mercy on me. Listen, I'll tell you, I went, uh, I don't, uh, 19, October 2019. I was privileged to go over to Australia, Sydney, Australia. I mean, I don't know when we were here last. I think it was 2019. I don't know if it was before or after. I can't remember. But I remember I got to go to Sydney, Australia. And I'm telling you, talk about amazing. And I was there. And every morning, listen, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I know you guys like scooters. Because scooters is getting all over the place, around the world. Not really, just North America, just, uh, all right, just, just the Midwest, really, okay, uh, uh. but it got into Iowa before I left, okay, but listen, I drink Starbucks, you see everybody, you know, yeah, they, get, get your stones out again, 
Some of you got madder about that than I did about the whole Christianity thing. But listen, I had some lady, now we're having fun because I believe the Bible said, you know how I minister. It's like the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. That's why some people are still sick. Right? All right, okay. Now, and, and remember, I minister this way. Tickle, tickle, stab. All right. Get you like, careful, you're laughing now. Because I get you tickle, tickle, then I'll stab you in the heart, okay? With, with the word, of course. It's been a long time. You guys need some laugh. Okay, okay. But listen, I had some lady come up to me. She came up to me and said, I said something about Starbucks over the pulpit. She came up to me. She said, you know, Starbucks is the devil's coffee. And I looked her right in the face and I said, well, the devil's got good coffee. But I said all that to say this, Sydney, Australia, or Australia is the only place in the world where the Starbucks market has failed. Because they got so good, so much coffee and it's all good. They have ice cream trucks with espressos in them. And you go right to the corner store. You can go to a 7-Eleven. They get you an espresso, a latte. And I got a latte and I went and sat on a, on a rock. Out right overlooking the Pacific. And I'm telling you what, it was amazing. And I sat there. I'm supposed to be preaching to all these people. And I'm sitting there on that rock overlooking the ocean having one of the best lattes of my life. And you know what I'm doing? I am weeping. I am literally ugly crying right there in Sydney, Australia. Because I recognize that Ryan, I'm going to preach to myself tonight. Ryan, you don't deserve this. There's nothing that you did that you could earn this. You ain't here because of anything good that you have done. You are simply here solely by the goodness of God and His mercy towards you. If you got what you deserved, you'd be back where you came from. But have mercy on me. I'm telling you what that blind man saw that the disciples had not yet seen was everything that they had in God was simply and solely through the goodness of God and nothing of their own goodness. Uh, uh, Jesus, help us right now. What I, what, I, what I said at the beginning, I felt like God wants us to re- rediscover the goodness of God. Because let me tell you, remember me talking about the, that frustrating conversation he came from in the beginning? You want to know how it played out? The reason why the mercy of God is so pivotal for the miraculous. Let me just, I'm about to break this down. The reason why the mercy of God is so pivotal to experiencing the miraculous is because you, there's a temptation of faithfulness where you can get to a place where you think God owes you a miracle and you think you could earn a miracle by your own merit and your own goodness but hear me if Jesus sometimes Jesus will withhold a miracle lost you for a second sometimes Jesus will withhold a miracle so he doesn't reinforce a messed up mentality Right? Watch now. Mark chapter 10. This is the frustrating conversation that Jesus just came from. Mark 10 and 30, 35. 
Watch what they said. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, those guys that had sacrificed so much to follow Jesus, they'd given up their careers, they'd spent time away from their family, they gave up the fishing business, and this James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do what for us whatsoever we shall. Jesus just told them, I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to be taken from you. But they say, wait a minute, before you go, I think it's about time after we've sacrificed so much, we've given so much, we've followed you all this time, it's about time you do some things that we desire. See, the apostles that He had chosen, they were even tempted by their own faithfulness to think that God owed them something. But Ryan, you, God don't owe you anything. If he don't do another thing for you, just a part that you get to be in the kingdom. Because it's no coincidence that the next verse of Scripture, verse 36 says, watch what Jesus And he said, what, should, what would ye that I should do for you? It's no coincidence It's no coincidence that exactly ten verses later he stands still because he heard some man off in the distance that didn't have eyes but his mind could see the mercy of God. He was there. Hey, he understood. Have mercy on me. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I couldn't get enough. give enough to get it. He understood. There's nothing in me that could attain the miraculous of God. And that's why he said to his disciples, what would what 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 do you well I mean okay what do you want me to do for you? And then he hears that man have mercy on me. He said, "Wait a minute. This man may not have eyes, but he can see how I operate." See, Jesus sometimes will withhold answering your prayers and doing the miraculous. Why? Because if He gives you a miracle in the mentality of you earned it, it will reinforce the mentality. And you will think that you will earn it and you deserve it. But Jesus said, no, I withhold the miraculous so it doesn't reinforce a faulty mentality. But I'll put you on hold. I'll cause my myself to stand still in a church and in a city all so you can learn the lessons so you can have everything that I want you to have and so you can see everything I want you to see if you want to see his glory you first got to see his mercy that hey we've given a lot but it's all for the glory of God And I can preach this to the church of Omaha because I know how much some of you have sacrificed and I know how much some of you have given and how faithful, how many years you've been here and you have been faithful. But I'm telling you the temptation is real, Ryan, that after you've given so much and you've been so faithful, you can thank God. It's about time you maybe do something I desire. Well, what do you want? Well, we, one wants to sit on the right, one wants to sit on the left. We want a position. We want a place. And you could think that you can somehow earn 
miraculous. Somehow you can... You can be faithful enough to obtain. I'm telling you, He's already prepared the place. He's just getting the person ready. Have mercy. Let me show you. Think about it. Think about it. Could it be that Jesus came to the North American church and the world in 2020 put us on hold? Stood still. Because he left a frustrating year of 2019 with a generation that was entitled. Thinking we've given so much. We've been so faithful. It's about time God does something we desire. And then Jesus stood still and said, wait a minute. They have eyes. They've recognized who I am. They can see me. But they're not seeing what the blind man saw. And that, that mercy, that God, I don't deserve any of this. And that's what I saw on that rock. Like, I wasn't there because I had prayed so many hours and I'd fasted so many days. Not because I left my family weekend after weekend. It was none of these things. The reason I'm here in church, the church of Omaha, the reason why we get a gift basket, we get to stay in the nice hotel, and we get blessed, it's not because because if most of you knew who I really was when Jesus found me, you'd realize, yeah, he didn't earn it, and he definitely don't deserve it. But many times, that's, oh, I, can't, I can't get over this. I cannot get over this because we've wanted God to do things for us. We've desired Him to do it, but why hasn't He done it yet? Could it be because He does not want to reinforce faulty mentalities? Or look at how much I've given. Look at how we've sacrificed. This church should be full. But the reason why maybe it's not yet, it's because God was dealing with a generation in their mentalities that, listen, it is solely through the goodness and the mercy of God that any of us are here. It's not what we do did but it's what he did for us that merits any type of miraculous working in and through our lives Jesus son of David have mercy on me Uh, no like I said I'm just preaching to me tonight see because here's the thing how many remember Esau I've mentioned this before In times past, I'll talk about Esau just a little bit, bump it, and move on. But Esau, Genesis chapter 25, the verses I gave you, Genesis 25 tells us that Esau was a hunter. He was a man of the field. In other words, he was being identified by his ability, his skills, and what he could do. But Jacob was just a plain man dwelling in tents. But watch what the Bible says about them. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Notice, Isaac's his father. And Isaac, his father, loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. He loved him because of what he could produce with his ability. But what happens next? He ends up selling his birthright, right? He despises his birthright. But you ever wonder what was the context for him selling his birthright? It was when he came home from the field empty-handed. When his performance didn't match the expectation of his father's love. Hold on. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Isaac loved Esau. So what is it? 
He, did, he loved him because he did eat of his venison. Here's the thing. So if he comes home, the one translation says he loved his wild game. But what happens? Daddy loves him when he brings home the deer. But what happens when he fails? When he comes home from the field empty-handed, he ends up selling his birthright. Right? He sells his birthright. Because, listen, he says, if I can't perform perfect, then my father doesn't love me. See, his, his understanding of his father's love was based on his performance. And when he, didn't, when he didn't perform that day, and he didn't live up to the expectation of his father's love, he said, what good is it? What good is, is, is all that I do? What good's my birthright? What good's worship? What good's prayer? What good all of that? Listen, because he had a performance mentality. And if he would have went back to his daddy instead of his brother, he would have understood mercy. Now, I've, said all, I've probably said all this before, but I felt to touch it again. Remember? Listen. That's what Satan did to Eve. He came to Eve and said, here, you want to be like God? Eat of this fruit and you shall be like, you shall be as gods. One translation says, eat and you shall be like God. But remember, Eve was created in the likeness of God. So what the serpent was doing was insinuating that she was less than what God had already created her to be. He was making her think less of herself, so she had to do something to obtain likeness. So when she ate of the fruit, she adopted a performance mentality. So to know God created her in, in likeness. In the likeness in the image of God created him, Adam and Eve. Here, oh God, uh, this is, I mean, it's supposed to be Friday night revival service, not Sunday school. Okay, I understand. But when she took a bite of that fruit, she adopted a performance mentality. And she thought to obtain likeness and to be more like God, I have to do something to obtain it. But listen, the likeness that you gained in your recreation through your new birth, it's nothing that you could do except obey His Word and adopt what He has done for you. So listen, don't let the devil get you to think less of yourself. So... So you have to try to obtain and try to earn and try to be perfect. No, you gained your likeness through that recreation in your new birth. So Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. Let me, think, let me say it like this. Somebody that's struggling right now, you cannot do anything that would make God love you less. Did you know that? I'll prove it to you. Because the Bible doesn't say just God. He does love, but love is not just what He does. The Bible says God is love. Right? So if you think you can do something to make God not love you, you think you could do something to make God cease being Himself. And the... And if that's the case, if you think you can do something to make God not love you and make, you think you can do something, it, God, it's not just what He does, it's who He is. So if you think you can do something and you're so powerful as to make God cease being Himself, your problem, the issue is not the issue, it's pride. 
Because you think so, no, 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 not that you think so little of yourself. It's that you think so much of yourself that you can do something to make God cease being who he is. Are you kidding me? God is love. And you can only understand his grace and his mercy when you realize it's not what I have done. What he has done. Have mercy on me. Because the Bible says about Esau, it says that he sought for a place of repentance. Hebrews 12 and 17. Pull that verse of scripture up. There it is. Here's what it said about him. Watch. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found He found no no place of repentance. Though he sought for it, he was looking for it, but he couldn't find it. Even though he sought it carefully with tears. See, repentance and tears are not the same things. Because many times we go to altars and we cry, but that doesn't mean that we repent. Because many times we think repentance is about seeing how bad we are or how unworthy we are. But repentance has nothing to do with you. You ready? I'll show you. Think about Romans. Verse whatever I gave you. Three, two, there it is. Watch this verse of scripture. Here's about repentance. The reason why Esau couldn't find repentance, he was looking in the wrong place. He was looking at himself and his poor performance and how he, he failed that day in the field. And therefore his father doesn't love him because of his failure in the field. But hear me, this is what the Bible says about repentance. You ready? It says in Romans 2 and 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance Esau the reason you couldn't find that place of repentance even though you sought for you were looking for it in the wrong place repentance is not found in how bad you've been and how, how much you've failed I'm telling you the goodness of God is the thing that leads you to repent so while you've got a person like Esau they're looking they're te- they got tears they're crying they're looking for repentance but Pastor Kirk Pastor Luke it says that the goodness of God when that Esau can't find it it's the good of God says it's over here remember what he did for you remember good Friday remember the cross I'm telling you the goodness of God will lead you back to Calvary not to your past sin And what we need tonight, Ryan, what you need tonight is to rediscover the goodness of God. It has nothing to do with tears. It has everything to do with the cross of Calvary. That's right, baby. 
But let me just let me just stop real quick. Let's read that same verse, Romans 2 and 4 in the Amplified Classical. Watch what this says. Or are you so blind as to trifle with and presume upon and despise and underestimate the wealth of His kindness and the forbearance and long-suffering patience? Are you unmindful? Or actually ignorant of the fact that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repent, to change your mind and inner man, to accept God's will. Jesus! Thou son of David. We can't move forward until we see what that blind man saw. But you don't know how much I've given. You don't know what I've sacrificed. You don't know how many years, how much pain, how much suffering that we've gone through. You don't understand the doctor's visits. You don't understand the diagnosis. You don't don't understand. But Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. I'm going to show you whoever plays piano. Oh, yeah, look at you sneak up there. You ain't getting away. I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you two stories. And there's two parts that we're going to conclude. And this is going to be the beginning of what God's going to do this week. Because it's not, it's not here. It's here. That you're going to see what the blind man saw. Because many of us don't even realize how much we live on a performance-based relationship with God. So the first lady I'm going to show you, I've probably shared this story, but I'm going to share it again. That lady was the chief financial officer in our warehouse at an auto parts distribution center I used to work at. And the story goes like this, that one day I walked in And I was 14 days into a 17-day fast. And I was exhausted and I was working 40, 45 hours a week moving car batteries. And I was was 14 days in, so I was pretty tired. And I went in there and I, I seen this lady. But the thing is, she didn't look like that. She'd lost all of her hair. And I knew why she'd lost her hair. There was, there was something going on. She had cancer. So I went in the warehouse. And when I went in the warehouse, I went out there and I began to get all by myself at my workstation. I said, God, I'm 14 days into a 17-day fast. And I need you to do a miracle for her. And it's like he rebuked me and said, Ryan, if she gets a miracle... It's not going to be because of your sacrifice. It's going to be because I want to do a miracle. But did you see how my motive could have compromised the miracle? And think, because I earned it or I somehow deserved the miraculous in my life, that He would withhold her miracle 
because of my, my mentality. He said, Ryan, if she gets a miracle, it'd be because I want to do one for her. So I want you to go into that office and I want you to tell her that I want to do a miracle for her today. So I walked in that office and all the offices are all glass all glass. Everybody could see as I walked in past the, the, the administrative secretary and all of them and I walked into her office and everybody was watching as I walked in that office and I said ma'am I don't know you and you don't know me but I saw that you'd lost your hair and I felt like God told me he wants to do a miracle in your life today and she stood up she slapped her desk and she said I believe it And she's got tears already streaming down her face. I said, ma'am, would it be all right if I pray with you? And we began to pray while everybody was watching in the office. And she, she felt God so much after we prayed. I said, do you feel God? She said, absolutely. I said, would you like to feel God more? She said, 100%. So in that office with everybody watching, I said, then just lift your hands. And she lifted her hands. In that office, God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as she was filled with the Holy Ghost but this is a couple years later not only did God fill her with the Holy Ghost but God healed her of cancer and not only sent it into remission but sent it into non-existence Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So you want to know the prayer that I prayed with her? It's really simple. The prayer that I prayed with her was a simple prayer of repentance. We didn't even ask God the healer we just repented together of our sins and we appealed to God's nature and His goodness when we said, God, forgive us of our sin because when you see His goodness by default, you know how wicked and how vile you really are. So God's about to do some things in here. We're going to take a moment and we're going to ask God to forgive us of any faulty mentalities that we may have harbored through the years of sacrifice, through the years of giving what we've given and being faithful in the entitlement that may have crept into our generation. I want you right now just to bow your head and I want you, Jesus, please, Lord, forgive me. Father, forgive me if familiarity has brought contempt into my life, Lord. And if I've stepped over in arrogance, Lord Jesus, if there's been any pride in me, please forgive me, Lord. Sometimes I don't recognize my own arrogance. I don't recognize my pride, oh God. But I'm asking you right now, recognizing that you're a good God. And Lord, I couldn't earn a single thing, and I don't deserve it, Lord. The fact that I'm here in a pulpit, the fact that I'm here in Omaha, the fact that I have my family, my children, a wonderful wife, Lord God, the 
fact that you brought me out of drugs, the fact that you brought me out of alcohol and wrought relationships, Lord God. You saved me from so much, oh God. So help us to see your goodness. Help us to recognize how good you are. And it's not because of anything that I have done, Jesus. Have mercy. Have mercy on my marriage. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy on the call of God that is on my life. I don't know. I never earned it. I can't. I don't even deserve it, Lord. Come on right now. Just let your voice out. Would you just let a, a godly sorrow, not a worldly sorrow that recognizes your own unworthiness. No, I want you to have a godly sorrow that sees the goodness of God. The only reason I'm in any position, the only reason that I have a place on the platform, the only reason is by the mercy of God. It's not my talent. It's not my skill. It's nothing that I could God, open our eyes to rediscover the goodness of God. Father, forgive us in this nation. If we have been spoiled, if we have been entitled in any way that has caused us, oh God, to handicap, Lord Jesus, the miraculous working power that you have planned the prophetic fulfillment, Lord Jesus, right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody tell him, God, I know it's not about me. Come on, somebody just tell him, God, I know that it's not about me. I, I have given, yes, but it's not about how much I've given, Lord. I've tried to be as faithful as I can, but my faithful is a long shot from your faithfulness that you would never leave me nor forsake me. Come on, I wish there would be a repentant cry. Let there be a repentance flow through this house, oh God. Come on, lift your hands right now. Oh Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. Come on church, it's not about the tears. It's about you rediscovering the goodness of God.
Well, we've been here longer. We've been here longer than them. It doesn't matter who's been here. come on just a few more moments there's one more prayer that we're going to pray there's one more thing we're going to do but I want us right now to make sure we find that place of repentance that Esau couldn't find Come on, let goodness lead you. Come on, let goodness lead you to an altar right now, maybe. Would you just, perhaps, would you just stand to your feet and let goodness lead you to that place of repentance? Come on, God's making room for the miraculous right now. God is making room for the miraculous in your life right now. Through the depth of your repentance, I'm telling you, there will be room for the miraculous and the mercy of God to work on your behalf. Are you ready? I want you all to stand with me now. Would you do that? I want you to get that video ready. Don't play it just yet. What we're going to do now is there has never been There's never been a time that God was so ready to do the miraculous. But what I'm about to show you, I'm about to show you a video because I want you to see the mercy of God. And this video is simply, it's a miracle that happened in one of our revivals in Kentucky. When I first started preaching around doing revivals, this is one of the first miracles and one of the greatest miracles that I ever seen God do because, listen, the reason I never told this story is because it's almost too hard to believe. If I were just to tell you, you'd be like, no, no way. So I never told it. But about two years ago, the Lord showed, or the Lord, uh, or not the Lord, a young man reached out to me and sent me over Facebook Messenger. He said, hey, Ryan, do you remember this? 
and sent me a video. I didn't even know they had a video of this miracle. So now I began to tell the miracle because I've seen, uh, because I've seen the video. And now that I have the video, I tell the story. Because I have verib- verifiable evidence now of what happened. Now, can you pull up the video without playing it? No, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what you're about to see. You're about to see what happened was in the service, in the revival. I had everybody come up, and I said, if you got pain in your body, we're going to pray, and God's going to do the miraculous. And a bunch of people came up. They had a little bit of pain here, a little bit of pain there. We prayed, and pain left. But what I did was I said, come up here, and what we're going to do is we're going to worship God, and we're going to worship like the pain is already gone, like Jesus already did it on Calvary. We're not going to ask Jesus to do it because to ask Jesus to heal is saying like, okay, you didn't do it already on Calvary. But he said it is finished on the cross, and I believe that he released that miracle-working power when he shed his blood. So I said, you just need to come, and you just need to worship like it's already done. They would lift their hands, and God would just heal 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 but this lady came up and when she came up she's a lady you'll see her she's in the pink dress she's a bigger lady kind of had pink dress and she excuse me if I said that I just felt my wife she's not in here good okay amen but she came up and she said this she said there's pain in my body I said well then just lift your hands And she said, that's the problem. I can't lift my hand because there's no bone in my upper arm to lift my hand. So something came on me. I just said, in the name of Jesus, I grabbed her hand and I lifted it up as high as I could. And when I did, I said, in the name of Jesus, and I watched as God began to recreate the bone in her upper arm I saw the definition come into her her arm and you'll see it I'm holding her arm and I say there it is there it is it scared me to death because I'd never seen anything like it I said there it is and I let go of it I said there it is there it is and she when I let go of her arm it caught because God recreated that bone and when she realized what happened she begins to shake and she begins to worship and that place blows apart and people were healed that night of diabetes and different kind of blood orders and things that were wrong I'm telling you that when you see her faith and her begin to worship what I want you to do the second part the first is repentance we've done that we recognize that it's nothing good that we have done but we were led to the goodness of God but when we begin to worship here in a moment when you see her begin to shake when you see her begin to worship I want you to I dare you to step out of your seat and come to this front and throw your hands up in the air and see if God does not do a miracle in your life. Are you ready? Can you? There she is.
son of David. Have mercy. Have mercy on me. Come on, somebody right now. Begin to worship. Not because I'm good. Not because I deserve it. Come on, Church of Omaha. It's time for your breakthrough. It's time for your revival. Come on, that's it. Just lift your hands. Somebody cry out, Jesus! Now, in Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you, God is working out situations right now. He is making that place ready in the name, in the name, in the name. Now, in Jesus' name. Come on, He's preparing that city. He's preparing that place for you to get there with the mercy of God. Worship like it's already done. Worship like the situation's already figured out. Worship like the paperwork's already gone through. Worship like the job is already yours. Worship! Come on, see it. Can you see it? Would you open your mind and let God show you the glory? It's not done. God says it's not over. I'm telling you right now, God's doing it. Let the love of God be realized.
worship. Come on, how good is He, Church of Omaha? How good is He? He doesn't owe me a thing. If He never does a miracle, He's still good. If He never opens the door, He's still good. I love Him even if He doesn't do it. telling you hear me church of Omaha what I felt in the Holy Ghost was God said he stood still then like he stood still now but he says this prophetic pause is coming to a conclusion because of the people that are here that are recognizing if God does it it's not because I earned it if God does it it's not because of how faithful we've been but because of how faithful he is And there's some of you that you felt like you've been on hold. You felt like you've been in a holding pattern. You want to move forward. You know that there's more for you to do. But God has you in a prophetic pause in that holding pattern as He's preparing the place. Like He's carving out the place why you are patiently waiting as that lively stone for the place you're going to fit. But God says, the place is now prepared. There's calling. There's ministry. And I'm telling you, you're going to fit in the place not because you're skilled, not because you're able, even though you may be. But it's the mercy of God that's calling you. Just like Jesus said, Come, He calleth thee. And I'm telling you, the mer- I don't know what it is, Brother Luke. Lucas. But God is calling you to a higher place because you have recognized the mercy of God. You have recognized it's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm so good at this or so good at that. It's simply and solely by the mercy of God. Take a step forward. Come on, man. God's calling you higher, not because of how good you have been or haven't been, but because solely the mercy of God caused these eyes to see once and for all what that blind man saw. Jesus! Thou son of David. Surely His goodness and mercy shall follow me. But the goodness and mercy can only follow you if you move forward now. My God. My God. There are 
there's so much in the spirit that's happening right now. And I'm telling you, there's some of us that are in this house that we're still looking for what we've already found. That didn't make sense to somebody, but that made sense. That there's somebody here you keep looking for out there what you've already found in here. So I pray right now every wandering eye that looks after every sign. I pray let that eye become focused right now to see simply the mercy of God. I don't want to be deceived, Father. Come on, would you do it? Would you lift your hands right now and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? Come on, I believe that God's got a schedule to keep. Come on, Jesus has got a schedule to keep. In Church of Omaha, there's promises and prophecies that He is going to fulfill. But He took this as a teachable moment. to settle some things in our spirits. I don't know, whoever's been here the last two years, somebody, God's brought you here within the last two years. And the reason why He brought you here is not because your talent, your ability, but He brought you here because He needed you to rediscover the goodness of God. So He brought you into a safe place so that you could find that refuge, so that you would not be afraid to look at what God's trying to show you. Because some of you came out of unhealthy environments. Some of you came out of toxic environments even. But I'm here to tell you, God brought you here to restore your sight so that you could see again. No longer will you be dominated by memories of what was, but God has opened your eyes and He's given you a vision right now of what could be the goodness of God. He's given you a vision of the miraculous tonight with these videos and these pictures. He's trying to show you, this is what I have for you. This is what I have for your family. It's just through the simple recognition of the mercy and the goodness of God. Right now, here it is.
we're going to sing this song, and I just, I just feel, I don't feel any more prophetic. I don't feel to press this. But I want you to just, acknowledging the goodness of God, just to worship. Because I'm going to show you this weekend, by the grace of God, all of it's going to be tied together. But all of it is going to be about right here. And God's going to do a miracle here. And as we begin to sing, I just believe that God's going to begin to open our eyes and just help us to rediscover the goodness of God. Because we got caught up in a lot of stuff this last year. We got caught up in division. We got caught up in all the garbage. But we're going to forget about the memories. And I'm believing God's going to open the heavens and we're going to have the visions and we're going to know how to move forward. Are you ready? Lift your hands and just worship.
presence of the Lord has been all over this place tonight and I believe that we're going to take home something that is miraculous I don't know how many others to explain it it's miraculous so I encourage you don't leave here without what you came for we're gonna stop singing and all that but if you want to pray keep praying be here tomorrow night at 7.30. God's going to do it all over again and even greater. God bless you in Jesus' name.